Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Happy New Year uh, to each of you folks uh, looking for the Lord to do uh, amazing things in us and through us. And uh, I think one of the ways to do that is we have the privilege of gathering together as his people and just studying his word uh, with the guidance of the spirit. So why don't we stretch, get the body loose a little bit here. That's it. And uh, now we'll, we'll pray for the spirit to get loose. So let's, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you uh, for the privilege, Lord, of a brand new year. And we thank you, Lord, our eyes are on you this morning. We believe you want to speak to us through your word, uh, that you would inspire us with your faith, with your vision. And, and I just pray, Lord, uh, as we look at 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Lord, there's so much here. I pray that you would highlight and underline to each of us those specific parts of this chapter that, that you're trying to get our attention with, uh, that we can grow in. So, Father, we just thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do in each life on the screen. And we give you praise, and it's in your name. We ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's roll. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame not walking in the craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, <clears throat> excuse me, according to what is written, 
I believe, therefore, I spoke. We also believe, therefore, also we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. 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 Well, this chapter is rich with a number, I think, of very, very powerful points. So I'm going to kind of just work my way from the beginning of the chapter to the end. And uh, as we go through the chapter, I'm going to lift up some of these points. So number one, uh, I think would be, how do you pray for the unsaved? How do you pray to the unsaved? I'm sure each one of us have unsaved loved ones, people we know, friends, and we've tried our very best to be able to get the gospel out to them. And it's like you're speaking to the wall. Uh, I'm sure everybody's had that experience. You you want to see these people come, but they just don't get it. So how do you pray for the lost? Well, uh, I think some of that is answered in verses three and four. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world, who's that? Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what's the problem with unbelievers? <clears throat> I believe it's basically that they have spiritual cataracts. Um, a couple of years ago, I had my cataracts lifted from my eyes. Before that, it was like getting fuzzy, darker, uh, distorted. Um, so you can have cataracts physically on your physical eyes, but spiritually, unbelievers have literally spiritual cataracts that are blinding them. And, and who is the source of that? The devil himself. Uh, it says the God of this world, that's Satan. He has literally blinded these people. So just real quick, how, do, how should we pray for the unsaved? Number one, I think we need to know this, that God wants everybody to come to salvation. It, it, he doesn't want anybody to be lost. Uh, it says this in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 and 9. He's not, God does not wish for any to perish, but for all, for all to come to repentance. So we know if we're praying for God to touch somebody, that that's what he wants, okay? Uh, that's a helpful thing that he is pulling for that. He wants that to occur. Number two, I think if you're praying for unsaved loved ones, I, I think we can use uh, the power of prayer, in a sense, to break what I would call strongholds, which are part of those cataracts that are blocking people from coming to Christ. Uh, there's a verse, uh, going a little bit further in 2 Corinthians 10, 
Uh, I'm just going to read this for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Paul says this, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our wherefore are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful here for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So I believe God wants to break through strongholds, fortresses that have come up in people's minds. For instance, I know some people that say, I can't become a Christian. Not just for sissies. That's a mindset. I know other people I've heard said, you know, those Christians, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. So they cross out Jesus because they look at that Christians just don't have a consistent biblical lifestyle. Those are strongholds, mindsets that are blocking them from coming to Christ. And I think Paul says, we can pull them down. And I think we can pray, Lord, I believe this is a mindset. And I ask, Lord, by your presence and power, pull this mindset, this blinder off my unsaved loved one. <clears throat> and a biggie here is this. Only the Holy Spirit, let me say it again and underline it. Only the Holy Spirit can pull the cataracts away. Humanly, we cannot do it. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the job. It, uh, it says this uh, in John, basically, John 6, 44. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father has drawn him. So Jesus said, nobody's going to come to me unless the Father, how's the Father do it? Through the Holy Spirit. The Father's like a magnet through the Spirit saying, come, come to me. So I think we could pray, Holy Spirit, would you please draw my unsaved loved one? Pull them like a magnet to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit not only draws, but he also convicts. It says this in John 16, 8, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin. So I think we could also say, Father, I just pray through your spirit, convict these people of sin, show them they need a savior. Again, we cannot make that happen, but the Holy Spirit's job is to do the drawing and the convicting, and I think we could pray for that. And the last thing I think we need to do as we're praying for the lost is persevere. Do not give up praying for somebody you want to come to Christ. Right now, I've been praying 45 years for one of my loved ones. That's a long, long time to pray. And I, I am trusting uh, that I can continue to pray that to the day I die. And I know there are reports of people that have died, their unsaved loved one had not come, but after their death, years after, they did come. So your prayers can even go beyond your life, even on the other side when you're in heaven. So I think number one, these verses show us, in a sense, how to begin to pray for people that do not want to come to Christ. Okay, number two. Um, if we say we're Christians, we have to be able to say he's Lord. Okay, very important. Look at verse five here, back on chapter four. Paul says, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. 
I believe that's saying that if we say we're a Christian, a genuine born again Christian, we can't just have Jesus as Savior. Thank you, Lord, you died for my sins, but I want to do what I want to do. Uh, that just doesn't work. Uh, basically, if you're going to have him as Savior, you have to have him as Lord simultaneously. Uh, and the word there, bondservant, is not only is he Lord and I'm a servant, it could very well almost be translated a slave. And in the Roman days, a slave had no rights. The purpose of a slave was to follow the master, period, period. So I think if we truly love the Lord and we want to please him, then our instinct is, Lord, just show me what your will is, and I plan to do it. It's as simple as that. If I say you're Lord, then Lord, I'm under you. Just whatever you want, Lord, make it clear. And when I know what you want, I will be quick to put it into action. So somebody that says he's Lord is always saying, Jesus, you're first, not me. And when I go through the day, Lord, I'm not pushing my agenda. I want to be open to your leadership, your guidance, and I will seek to follow it when you unfold it to me. So I think we need to honestly ask ourselves, uh, where are we at? I need to ask me. I have, you have to ask you. Is he really Lord? I mean, that's a big, big, big deal in the Christian life. Is he Lord? Am I running my own show or am I surrendering each day to him and saying, Lord, this is your day. I'm not telling you what to do. I want to hear what you want me to do. And then, Lord, I will do it. Big deal. Okay. Uh, third point <clears throat> is just Jesus clearly reveals who the invisible father is. If you look at verse six, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who's shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So a lot of people say, well, I, I don't know what God's like. <clears throat> I can't see him. He's invisible. How, how do I know what he's like? Paul's clearly saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, if I get a clear view of Jesus, then I know exactly what God is like. I know exactly what he's like. It says this uh, in Hebrews 1.3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. And here it is, the exact representation of his nature. In other words, the invisible God has impressed himself into a human flesh and Literally, you're seeing the invisible God in visible form in the life, in the words, in the actions of Jesus Christ. For instance, as you look through the Gospels, you're clearly seeing <clears throat> that Jesus is a tremendously loving person. He's a compassionate person. He's a person that's concerned about other people and their needs. It's all over the four Gospels. And that tells us that that's the way Jesus is. Then our Heavenly Father has the same exact attitude toward us. If you look at Jesus, you also see that he hates sin. He hates it because it destroys mankind. And you see the way he confronts the Pharisees straight out. Sometimes he calls you snakes. Um, if you remember, um, 
right before his death, he went uh, into the temple and he turned the tables upside down uh, in anger against sin. So if you want to know what God feels like about these issues, just look at Jesus, because if you look at him, you know exactly that God has that same anger toward sin. So if you really want to know what God's like, take a long look at Jesus. In other words, study the Gospels in detail, and the more you study them, the more you're going to know who Jesus is, but not only who Jesus is, who the Father is, and by the way, not only who the Father is, but who the Holy Spirit is. The Trinity basically are one, so what's true of one is true of the other. Okay, uh, fourth point uh, is this. We are vessels. We are vessels. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So what are we? What are you and I? We're containers. And the important thing is not the container, but what's in it. For instance, right here, I have a cup of coffee that I was drinking to kind of make sure I'm awake here. Uh, the big deal about this is not the container. I mean, I can look there all day long and say, it's not a pretty container. The whole point of this container is to hold something that's really important to me, which is the coffee I'm going to drink. And Paul says, hey, the big issue is not the vessel. And what's the vessel here? He says, earthen dust. That's our, our bodies, okay? So he says the important issue in the spotlight is not on the vessel. It's on the treasure that's in the vessel. And what's the treasure? So the treasure that's in the vessel is what? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, which we do know we have when we're born again, if you have the Spirit, then you have the Son. And if you have the Son, you have the Father. So literally, you have an amazing treasure sitting in the midst of you. And I think that's going to take all of 2024 and 25 and 26 and 27 to the day we die to get a handle on what an amazing treasure. Think of who sits inside of you. The Creator, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who spoke literally existence into reality in the beginning of Genesis, that person lives inside of you. So ponder that a bit. Um, you have an amazing resource. And the issue is not pointing to me, me, me. The issue is, hey, I've got the living God living in the depths of me. And boy, if that doesn't make a difference, I don't know what is. Because it's all about, as he says, the the surpassing greatness of his power. We have an all-powerful person in us, and that's our job is to lift him up, not to lift ourselves up. Okay, let's see here. Going on a little bit further here. Um, the fifth point is this. Uh, I like this one. Uh, is that God's power sustains us and supports us in our everyday life. God's power sustains and support us. Look at verse 8 through 11. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I love what Paul said. He said, I am going through some really, really tough times. But through it all, through the suffering, the pain, there is an underlying presence that is supporting me. And at a moment of time, moment by moment, God is breathing into my weakness, his powerful strength. He said, we're afflicted in every way. All kind of problems are coming. He said, but, but I'm not crushed. I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed. God is buoying me up. He goes on a little further. I'm perplexed. You ever been there? I mean, there's times like you're scratching your head like, well, what the heck is going on? I don't understand what's happening in my life. But Paul says, even though I may be perplexed and I don't understand everything, he says, but I'm not despairing because God supports me and comforts me and he gives me hope even in the craziness of life. He goes on a little bit further. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. He knows, boy, if anybody knew what persecution was, look at the book of Acts. Paul is getting persecuted left, right, and every which way. But he says, that's okay, because I know God is with me. And if I know God's with me, I know he's going to get me through whatever hard situation I may be going through. I like the next one. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. The picture that comes to mind, I don't know, do you ever have this as a kid? Uh, and you have this, 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 and I, I think I remember getting one of these at a Christmas present. You get this, um, how can I put it, uh, this punching bag. And I don't mean a bag like a, a fighter. I'm talking about something that has a weight on the bottom of it. And you would punch it and it would go down. And what would happen? It would pop back up. Do you ever, you remember that as a kid? I love it. You get down, boom, you punch it, nothing comes back. And I think that's a picture where Paul says, I may be punched by life and I may be having hard times, but it, I'm, by the grace of God, I come back up. I'm not defeated by these things. I have supernatural ability to bounce back. How? Through the spirit. And I like what he says here, caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus that the life of Jesus also be made manifested in our body. And he says the same thing in Levin, uh, that his power be manifested in our mortal flesh. I think this is powerful. I think Paul says, as we die, as we're persecuted, as we surrender our life to the Lord in, in going through the everyday, he says, God then infuses into me supernatural, supernatural, life, the life of Jesus. And where is it manifested? In my mortal body, in this flesh. I tell you, I believe if we're weak physically, or if we're fighting an illness, I think we need to renew our minds that if I'm really living for Christ, and I'm, I'm dying to me, that I can trust God to infuse into my mortal being in my, my body, supernatural strength, supernatural energy and supernatural healing the healer lives inside of you in the old days you had to reach outside you know to touch jesus uh healing is not such a matter of of an outside touch 
you've got the healer inside. And I think what Paul is saying, let him loose, let him fill you, let him touch your mortal flesh, let him fill you with supernatural power and supernatural strength. I think Paul learned to live that way. He said in Philippians 4, 13, for I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's weak, but he said, I could do all things through Christ. And actually, if you look at the Greek, it would be translated, I can do all things through Christ who fuses his supernatural strength in me. So God uses even our weakness and our inabilities, as we see here, and he fills them with himself. So whatever is the weakness today, let him fill you, whether it's your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit. Paul says God can do amazing things, as he said in verse 7, according to the greatness of his power. Okay, uh, a couple more here. Where are we at? Oh, okay. Number six, our beliefs need to align <clears throat> with our words. Look at verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. So what I hear Paul saying here, my, my words need to align with my heart beliefs. Let me give you some illustrations. I might say, oh, God, I believe in my heart. I believe you're good, God. I know you're good. Yeah. But then hard times come, and now I begin to complain. Oh, oh what, why is this happening to me? Oh, God, this is wrong. It should be easier, da, da, da. And we become like the Israelites in the wilderness. There's a contradiction. We say, I believe this in my heart, but words are coming out contradicting what I say I believe in my mind and my heart. <clears throat> so if we really believe something, our words need to back it up. You might say, okay, you know, I believe God. I know you answer prayer. Yeah, I believe, I believe. But then you hear people, they, they say that, and then they say this word. Well, I hope something's going to happen. I hope something's going to happen. And in my mind, I'm saying that's a contradiction. If you really believe in prayer, you're going to come with an expectancy to see God do something in a situation. Not, well, I hope, well, maybe God's going to do something. I don't know. Maybe he'll answer prayer. So what I hear in that little passage is that our beliefs in my mind, in my heart, need to align with my words and my actions. All three need to be in alignment. So I think we need to watch our words. That's something to think of in 2024. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. Are they positive or are they negative? Do they contradict what's in the Bible? And if they contradict what's in the Bible, then we need to keep our mouth shut. And our words should be literally speaking what the word, the Bible says. Okay. <clears throat> now, I get two more here. Uh, Number seven, if you look at verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Well, what I hear there is that your days, my best days are ahead, not behind. <clears throat> 
I believe that with all my heart, my best days are not in the past. They should be coming into the future. And I think that's a powerful way to look at 24. This is going to be the best day of my life. And I don't care if we're 20, 30, 60, I'm going to be 75 in March. My best days are coming up in 2024. And I believe that's what he says, because he says, even though my body's decaying, I'm not what I was at 25. Sometimes I think I'm not too bad, like maybe 35, but when my hip backs up, I'm a little bit more uh, uh, realistic there. So my body is not what it was before. But I love what Paul says, don't focus on that. He says, look what happens. Therefore, we do none of those harm. Though our, our man is decaying, okay, it does. But look what's happening. Yet our inner man, our spirit, is being renewed day by day. I hear Paul saying, yeah, my body's getting weaker, but my spirit's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So why is that happening? Because I'm doing what's going to make me stronger spiritually. Number one, I'm going to be in the word of God. And praise God for each of you folks uh, that are in the soap. Uh, and not only are you in the soap in the morning at six, but you know, ideally you're studying the Bible beyond just now. But as you study the Bible, as your people of prayer, and you fellowship with the Lord on a daily basis in your devotions and throughout the day, as you take time to connect with other Christians on a Sunday morning, or these connect groups that are coming up, as you're doing that, you're throwing logs literally on the fire of your spiritual life. You're building up your strength uh, from a spiritual perspective. So I believe Paul is saying here, as we go forward, our reality of God should be getting greater and greater. He should be getting more and more and more and more real to us as the days go on. Not only should he be getting more real, our faith should be getting strong. So what I'm basically saying, our best days are ahead. Uh, I believe God wants to become more and more real to us. He wants our strength, our faith strengthened more. And also... I believe he wants our character, Christ-likeness, to shine more and more and more as the days go on. So there's a challenge for each of us, a question I think we need to ask ourselves. Is that the case in my life? Am I getting to know the Lord on a more personal basis as the years go by? Is my faith getting stronger? Uh, is more of Jesus beginning to shine in and through me more and more? That's what I believe Paul said. Yeah, the body's beginning to fade, <clears throat> excuse me, but our spirit should be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Okay, last point uh, is this. Hard times can work for our good. Look at verse 17 and 18. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, I believe he's saying these light afflictions, the hard times you and I are going through, they produce something. Now, I know when it says light afflictions, it doesn't feel light when you're going through the ringer. I know it doesn't feel light in me. It feels a heavy thing. But God says, in comparison to eternity, these experiences we're going through, and you only have to go through it once. By the way, once you die, it's done. 
no more trials, no more temptations, no more pain. So I guess we might as well take advantage of it right now. God's up to something in these hard times. He said they, they work for us in eternal weight of glory. In other words, they're building in us a supernatural character that would reveal Christ to the world. But that's not an automatic thing. We need to realize just because we go through light afflictions does not automatically mean that God's glory is getting more control of us. Because we have to have the right attitude. If we're going to complain and moan through the hard times and grumble like the Israelites, no. These light afflictions are not going to benefit us. They're going to send us back. Uh, but if we have the right attitude in the hard times, if we continue to trust God, and there's times you can just pour out your heart to God and say, God, I don't get it. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm whatever. We can be honest. But still, we trust him and we seek to obey the next thing he asks us to do. If we have the right attitudes, Paul says, basically, they're going to produce this amazing character that's going to go with us into eternity. So as we're beginning to wrap things up, so what are we to do in these hard times? Where is to be our focus? And here's the danger, because the focus can be on our circumstances. And we could fixate on the hard times, and we could fixate on the pain, and we can fixate on the struggles, and that's just going to get us down, 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 down. And that's not what Paul says we need to do. What are we to look at when we go through the hard times? He says in 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, the circumstances, the hard times, but we're to look at the things which are not seen. So what are the things that are not seen? Basically, it's God. I think Paul is saying to us, when you're going through the struggle, get your eyes off the struggle, get your eyes off the pain, and by the grace of God, not just in your own guts and willpower, but by the grace of God, put your eyes on the Lord. And I think Paul would say, when you look at God, remember who he is. Remember that he loves you. Remember that he's a good God and that he's for you and that he's not against you. Remember that he's also good, that he is always wanting what's best for you. Remind yourself that he's wise, that he knows what he's doing, and his, his timing is perfect. Remember that he has the power to turn any kind of a situation around. So look at the invisible, look at God, look at who he is, uh, look at what he's done. And in time and space, in his birth that we just celebrated, and in his death, he's proven that he loves us because he died on a cross to put our broken lives back together again. So as you're going through the ringer, remember who God is. Remember what he's done. Remember all the miracles in the Bible. And also remember what he's promised. There's thousands of promises, literally, that are found in the Bible. And that behooves us to read the Bible from beginning to end as we go into the new year so that we see what God has promised. It's like you have a bank account. Uh, a spiritual bank account, but if you don't know what's in it, you can't write withdrawal slips. So, so important to know who God is, to be able to remember what he's done, and all the good promises that he's made. So the, the ability of, the ability, to, I'm sorry, to see the invisible God, I think was really the secret of Moses' ministry. It says this in Hebrews 11, 27, for he, Moses, endured listen to this, as seeing him who is unseen. That's it. 
Moses saw the unseen God, and he knew the unseen God was bigger than any situation he was going to face, whether that was Pharaoh, uh, whether it was the Israelites that were whining and complaining. He knew that if he fixated on God, that it was going to be okay. So, folks, I, I picked up eight different points here in chapter four. And, and, you know, may the Lord just apply them. Uh, just real creep wrapping, but racking up. Number one, realize, oh, well, let's see where we at. Well, one of the pages is back in the other room. Uh, let me see. The first one is basically how to pray for unsaved loved ones. Uh, I believe that was one. And then uh, the other one, if you want to know what God's like, take a long look at Jesus. Three, uh, let's see. Uh, remember that we're just a vessel, okay? We're not the big deal. We have the treasure of Jesus in us. Remember that we can be supported uh, and sustained by the power of the Spirit of God in us. Uh, remember that your words and actions and also your beliefs need to be in alignment. Uh, remember, particularly in 2024, that your best days are ahead. This is going to be the best year of your life as we look to the Lord and trust him. And let God use the light afflictions that you're going to experience. We're going to have them. Every one of us on this page is going to have some afflictions this year. Let God use them to make you stronger and deeper in him. So let's take a minute. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the richness of this chapter. It's amazing. So many good uh, insights that you've put in this chapter. And I pray for each of us, Lord. Uh, Lord, whatever, I mean, I know there's got to be some that are, are standing out more to us than others. But look, just make it very clear. What are the ones, Lord, that you're saying to us that as we go into this new year that we need we need to do? We need to put these not just in our thoughts, but to actually put them into actions to build holy habits in this regard. So, Lord, just put your blessing on each brother and sister here. Guide them in the new year. Make your voice very clear to them. Uh, give us all, Lord, a trusting and an obedient heart. And we thank you, Lord, that our best days are ahead of us. And we pray, Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank God for two computers. God bless. Okay.